This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female. Tanse, hello, and welcome back to the Matriarch Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Shayla Olette Stonechild, and I'm very excited to have Alona Verley here with me today. She is a drag artist and one of the season one contestants of Canada's Drag Race. She is the first Indigenous two-spirit and now Vancouver-based queen to appear on the show. We talk about what her experience was like filming Canada's Drag Race, what the audition process was like, what she hopes for 2021, what being two-spirit means to her, and also how she puts her looks together. Because I have to say, when I was filming this podcast, I show up with no makeup on and here she is just showing up like the queen that she is. I'm like, girl, you need to give me some tips. This week's episode of Matriarch Movement is brought to you by our partners at Louvre Design. Louvre is a socially responsible fashion retailer and manufacturer specializing in sustainable women's clothing with all pieces made and designed right here in Canada. You know, I support women like it's my day job and Louvre is 100% female owned and female led, which is an A plus in my books. Finding sustainable clothing that doesn't break the bank is literally not easy, but Louvre has set out to change that. Even better, you can be sure that everyone Louvre works with are getting fair wages and we know how important it is to bridge the gender wage gap. All the clothing is as comfortable as your yoga gear, but chic enough to wear on your next Zoom call with modern staples and playful prints that you'll literally want to wear every single day. Check out Louvre for yourself at louvedesign.com. That's L-O-U-V-E design.com and get free shipping on your next order with the code Shayla Shipping, all one word at checkout. And without further ado, Alona Burley. Thank you for having me. I'm Inkla Katma from Shkapa Band in Lytton, and I currently live in SoCal, Vancouver. <laughs> Sweet. How long have you been here for? Um, I've been back in Vancouver for about two years. Um, I was living in Los Angeles for a bit, and then I got cast on Canada's Rag Race, and I packed up my three suitcases, headed home, moved in with mom <laughs> for a little bit, and then the pandemic happened, and I was supposed to move back to LA, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to get my own place here. Stay around mm. home for now, be be around the family. And yeah, so I've I've been Canadian again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you're Canadian. Where are you from originally? Um, so I was born on Vancouver Island in Nanaimo. Um, and then I grew up between there and my reserve in Lytton. Um, so I was really lucky that I got to grow up with my background, with my culture, my indigenous mm. family, as well as my dad's white family who fuck them all honestly (laughs) um, yeah so I I had a pretty well-rounded upbringing which I'm thankful for because I know a lot of my indigenous friends weren't as lucky to get to grow up around our community and I'm very thankful for that Mm, yeah for me I grew up in a predominantly white community and so yeah I can relate of like I'm kind of jealous that you got to grow up with your community and did you grow up then on the res because you said that you have your white side of your family and then your native (laughs) side (laughs) yeah so we would we would go to the res as often as we could we'd spend weeks we'd spend months there here and there whenever we could um, cause we were over on Vancouver Island. So was, whenever we could get off of Vancouver Island, we were going to the rest. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really a fun way to get to grow up. Cause even on the Island, it's very naturey and foresty. And I grew up mm-hmm. like climbing trees and fishing and going to the river and stuff. 
And now I feel like I'm just in the city so much. I'm like, I miss nature. Like Stanley Park's not doing it anymore. <laughs> no, you can literally go to Stanley Park so many times before you're like, okay, <laughs> what else is there out there for me? But exactly. I mean, making the transition to LA, I feel like that city is like nonstop. And for me, yeah. I often feel overwhelmed and like there's so much energy. And so how is it moving from, you know, um, Canada and then going and making the transition to LA? It was everything I needed. Honestly, um, um, I'm the kind of person I have a lot of like, mental illnesses I deal with. And like, one of my biggest like traumas and triggers is based in Vancouver. And so mm. I'm constantly going through these like little triggers all the time, just being in the city um, as it is. And so getting to leave that and go somewhere where that trauma isn't and those triggers aren't, I felt like mm. I was just able to live my life without all of these roadblocks in the way constantly. So that for me was honestly really helpful, having all that high energy, having all those distractions to get mm. me out of my own head and force me to just live my life again and not worry about this or worry about that because it's back home and I don't got to deal with right. it here, you know? And right. um, so that was, that was a really good experience for me. And I feel like too, like with the hustle and bustle is it helped me stay motivated because if you're not constantly busting out content in LA, it's really easy to, you know, go, go under. And yeah. um, here I find I, I get really lazy and I don't post or make content <laughs> for a month or two at a time. Um, but when I was in LA, it was like every day there was a photo shoot happening. There was something going on. So it was, I liked the high energy because I, yeah. I was used to not the high energy. So it's like a good refresher. So when I came back here, I was able to appreciate having a little bit more low energy. <laughs> I was like literally just reading um, a comparison between Toronto and Vancouver and how when you move to Vancouver, exactly what you're saying, like you can get away with like going to the beach, going for some faux, just like not creating anything. You're just kind of off the grid. And then people from Toronto are like waiting on you to respond to your email. And you just like <laughs> take like a month to respond. And I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, this is so true. Um, yeah. That that's cool though. So LA was like kind of a healing journey for you when you weren't always being activated by your triggers out in Vancouver. Absolutely. Um, and so when you are feeling, you know, activated or triggered, what are ways that you come back into your power and back in your truth and your authenticity? I think lately it's just been accepting that it's fine to give up. It's fine to just go, you know what, today's not my day. I need mm. to just sleep this one off. Today is not my day. We're going to try again tomorrow. And I think a lot of people get so, oh, why are people calling me? This is, <laughs> so, the pop is everywhere. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but it, it's so easy to get upset with yourself for needing rest and needing a day off and going, oh, well, I had plans today and I'm mad that my plans aren't working out. But when you can just accept it that, hey, maybe your plans weren't supposed to work out because you need to rest, it's fine. Mm. And so for me, it's been claiming my power in saying no, even to myself, just saying, nope, today's not going to work. It's fine. We're going to sleep it off. We're going to go back at it tomorrow because there's always another day. The sun mm -hmm. keeps coming up and um, just kind of being fine with my mental health lately instead of trying to fight it, I think has been a really powerful experience for myself. 
Yeah, I think like dismantling this idea of perfectionism, which is really rooted in like white supremacy, I have been learning. And as an Mm -hmm. indigenous person, I don't know if you can relate, but whenever I feel like opportunities present itself, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to say yes, because I my parents were given these opportunities and I got to keep going. But then it's like, you can only do so much from an empty cup. And so I love that you bring up saying no and creating those boundaries. Um, yeah, you gotta put yourself first. Because yeah, like what what good are we gonna be for our communities if we can't be good for ourselves and we have nothing mm-hmm. left to give, you know? And speaking of communities, uh, I know you are the first two spirit to go on Canada's drag race. And so was there a lot of education and emotional labor that was attached to that? Because I feel like in that world, maybe they don't know a lot about uh, two spirited people or our our history here in Canada. And so what was that experience like for you? Uh, yeah, it was really, really cool, really amazing. You know, when I realized I was going to have this opportunity to be on TV. It was so important to me to be able to be the representation I wish I had when I was growing up. I never saw anyone queer and native on TV. I never saw anyone Two-Spirit on TV. And it took me forever to figure out who I was and even what Two-Spirit is and that that's Mm -hmm. me, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it was important that I wasn't selfish with my opportunity on Drea Grace and that I used my platform to get people talking and to get people educated. Um, It really has hurt me seeing a lot of Indigenous queens go on the American show and just do the white passing thing and maybe Mm. mention being Indigenous once and then just move on and, um, you know, make jokes about being a white guy in a dress and whatever when it's like, Mm. no, you're Native though and what? So for me, it was important that I was like, I'm Native. Like, Mm -hmm. friends are cool. Yeah, exactly. um, So I felt like a bit of a broken record, but I I was really conscious of the editing process. And I was like, no matter how much they edit me, they're going to (laughs) get the indigenous two-spirit line in there once or twice. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was was scary going into it because I had lived my life for so long just being me and just surviving and then Mm -hmm. realizing, okay, I'm about to be a public figure. I'm about to have a platform and I want to make a difference and I want to be political, but I want to do it properly. Um, so a big shout out to my cousin Jade, who actually sat me down and really got me up to speed with a lot of education and things to go into the experience prepared to be political and mm-hmm. embark on my journey into being someone who's involved in the public eye and in politics and using my voice as an Indigenous person. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of learning and I'm still learning all the time. And sometimes I find I get a little scared to say certain things because I might not know the correct dictionary terminology. but. Yeah. I think as long as we're using our voice and we're holding space, that's honestly the most important thing we can do. And if Mm -hmm. we're still learning, we're still learning. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, I love that you bring that up because I feel like there is a lot of pressure on not not only ourselves as individuals when we're put in these public positions, but on being accountable to our communities and also how we articulate ourselves. And so I'm curious, you know, what is your thought process before um, partnering up with someone or maybe before partnering up with a brand or working with someone if they don't know a lot about um, Indigenous people? Like what um, process do you go through yourself to make sure it's aligned on both levels um I love that um yeah obviously I I've got a big mouth (laughs) I am not scared to get a little rude and aggressive because who has ever been heard whispering you know um so for me I I am political and I will say things sometimes people don't like the way I say it and that's not my fucking problem you know yeah uh, yeah, yeah. with brands it's a big deal for me when I'm signing any contracts that 
they're not having little clauses in there that I have to represent their morals because I have my own morals. And that's mm. more important to me than any dollar amount, any paycheck. I'd mm-hmm. rather be homeless with my freedom of speech and my voice than have some money and have a company telling me how to act online. You know, mm-hmm. that to me is always a big deal. And um, I actually recently just signed a contract where I had to tell them, uh, you got to change this, you got to change that. Um, yeah. If you want to work with me, you need to understand I am political and I'm mouthy. Um, and that's part of who I am. I'm not just a pretty face. I'm not just a drag artist. Um, mm-hmm. I am a trans person. I'm a two-spirit person. I'm an indigenous person. And those communities need a lot of vocalization on our important topics. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to be shutting up anytime soon. <laughs> well, and I guess it goes like you only want to work with people that are behind you in your own integrity. And I love that you bring up not um, taking the dollar bill just because it's offering, you know, a paycheck. You're actually like, is this actually aligned with me and what I stand for? I'm curious mm-hmm. to know more about the audition process that went into Canada's Drag Race and what that experience was like for you. Uh, yeah, that was real crazy. Um, I originally auditioned. I auditioned for season 11 back in the day as like a joke just because I have my American citizenship too. So I was like being funny and thought that was a thing. And then I seriously auditioned for season 12. Um, and I had a very good friend who actually gave me a bunch of money as an investment to help me make my tape, get some outfits together and really like elevate my drag, which I'm very thankful for because um, I was able to present a beautiful audition tape. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I did not get on season 12 which I find honestly worked out in the wash for me because when Candace Ray Grace got announced, I was like, oh, this makes more sense for me to do this Mm. because I can be more vocal about indigeneity and have it make more sense. Because when I was living in the U.S., everyone's like, what's an indigenous person? What's a Mm two-spirit? Like no one knew anything about that. Whereas in Canada, at least people in Canada, even if sometimes it's slacktivism or fake wokeness, they know (laughs) about indigenous people and they know that we're a big backbone in this country, you know? And um, so it was important to me that I was going to be able to get to talk to an audience that could understand and know where I'm coming from. Um, But yeah, essentially, when Candace Drag Race was announced, I recycled my season 12 edition tape for Candace Drag Race. So I had this beautiful tape already done. And I was like, okay, it's going to be fine. And uh, I had to film a couple new little things. um, And yeah, it it was uh, one by one, I started getting phone calls for it. And I was like, okay, it's like happening. Awesome. It's happening. And um, the day I got the final call, I almost passed out. I was just like, ah! <laughs> That must have been so exciting. Like you had literally um, worked, like literally worked for it, having gone through auditioning twice. I feel like, yeah, yeah. It, usually sometimes the universe presents it when you are ready. And I feel like you were meant for Canada's it's Drag Race because so that true. aligns way yeah. more way more um how was the actual filming and like being I don't know would you call it being on set or like how did that the filming of the season go like what was that process like for you um it was really cool I would say honestly like the filming aspect and filming the show was the best part for me like I got so close with all the other girls on the season and we're all still like such good friends and when you go through an experience like that it's very um hard and draining and a lot of people don't experience it you know it's so crazy and so those people you experience it with are people that go through the exact same thing and you're going to get close to them no matter what um and it's funny a lot of the people I didn't really connect with while we were filming I'm the closest to now (laughs) Mm, (laughs) which is kind of funny when you get to know each other again outside the competitive setting 
And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, you're actually cool when you're not trying to send me home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine yeah. there's like there it would be a lot for me to handle being around that much energy and then also having to perform and then putting your looks together. What is the plan out process for making a look happen? Because I know your aesthetic is like pastel colors. You're always looking fire. And I'm just like, how do Thank you plan you. it out? <laughs> <laughs> um, generally, for me, I'll like come up with a concept or a silhouette and just decide like what color it feels like to me um a lot of my looks are inspired by songs or by music um Mm. and when I listen to a song I feel a color and so that's kind of how I kind of pull my looks is like kind of through music or lyrics and things like that um so aesthetically like I'm very well known because of my pastel color scheme but Mm -hmm. I can do a scary look I can do like a glamorous look I can do just like a going to the beach look and it still always looks like me because Mm -hmm. I just do colors and my aesthetic is so fluctuative within that which I think is something that makes me unique because there's a lot of girls who have a strong aesthetic but it's just one thing so I can at Mm -hmm. least stretch my aesthetic a little more which is uh kind of been a saving grace but yeah going on drag race I wanted to try to like make sure I could show them that I could do things like wear dark blue denim and brown hair and step outside my comfort box. And I wish I didn't do that because I'm so solid in who I am. I should have just stuck oh, to you it. Oh, you didn't want that's, to adapt that, That's much? my advice to anyone. No? Don't show versatility. If you know who you are, you know who you are. <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> well, that one photo that you have on Instagram with a red handprint bringing awareness to MMIW, I feel like that image, not only were you creating a look and aesthetic, but you were telling a story that a lot of Indigenous people know and relate to. And so why was that so important for you to be for that message? to be seen um, in mainstream media on this show. Absolutely. So for me, um, once again, like I said, I just wanted to be proud to spirit, proud Indigenous fam, and like let them have it. Um, and a lot of people will forget words or they won't listen to words, but they always remember mm. imagery and they always remember a photo. And for me, when I did that as my finale look, I wanted to give a visual representation of beautiful aspects of them, Indigenous people in our communities and things that represent us as female identifying or two-spirit Indigenous mm-hmm. people. So that's why there's a little bit of fancy ribbon on the sleeves. There's a bit of jingles on the jacket and stuff. I wanted to include all these different aspects of them, Indigenous people that just told that story of femininity. And then with the mm-hmm. red handprint, I walked out with it over my mouth and then took it away to say that we're reclaiming our power. We're not just going to keep going missing. We're going to put our fucking foot down and we're going to mm-hmm. look for our women. We're going to look for our two spirits. And it's it's not something we could just sweep under the rug anymore. So for me, that was important to put together a visual because um, it gets people talking, you know, it, yeah. more than a sentence or a word or something. So I'm very grateful that I have the opportunity to do something as powerful as that and really utilize my time on TV to do something important. Yeah, no, I definitely got ju- I got chills when you were just explaining it. You can feel the power in not only Thank the imagery, you. but the story, but your voice and how much it means to you. And so my question for you would be like, what is your advice for maybe a two-spirit um, person that hasn't come out yet or maybe is going through this phase of wanting to take up space, but maybe doesn't know how or where to begin? I would say the best thing you can do is just be honest with yourself. Like, you don't have to tell any, everyone in your life that you're two spirit or you're trans or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you know that, you know that. Like, mm-hmm. if you can be honest with yourself and look in the mirror and say, "This is who I am," you don't need to go get double D's. You don't need to go through any physical transitions. If you know who you are, you know who you are. Mm-hmm. You'll get to where you need to be eventually, and that's the biggest thing I've been learning the last year. I've been 
telling all my friends and everyone that I view myself as a trans woman and I'm trans. Mm-hmm. Have I done anything about it? No. Am I about to start mm-hmm. doing something about it? Yes, because we need time to process our own journeys and our own learning experiences. Mm. And I think a lot of times people with social media expect us to have something all figured out if we start talking about it. But that's not true. We start talking about things because we're learning and we want to connect with other people who are going through the same thing to help inform our choices and our moves and Mm. our self-discovery. And so I would say just if if you can look in the mirror and you know who you are, you're on the right path, you're Mm -hmm. on the right right way to go. And um, yeah, just start having those conversations when you're comfortable. Don't rush it. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's like always a journey of evolution and you're right. None of us know all the answers to everything. Thank you. Hi, hi to our friends at Louvre Design for supporting this episode. As a yoga teacher and a spiritual revolution activist, my whole being is rooted in wellness, but not just of the body and spirit. Protecting indigenous culture means protecting the land we belong to. The fashion industry is one of the most important sources of waste on our planet, but Louvre has set out to prove that sustainable fashion can be the norm. Protecting the planet, the people, and the animals are values most important to Louvre, and I stand firmly behind them. 25% of the pieces are actually made with upcycled fabrics, and the remainder of the fabrics are made with renewable materials like organic cotton, bamboo, modal, and tensile. This is the comfy modern brand you can be proud to wear. Don't forget to visit louvedesign.com. That's L-O-U-V-E design.com and get free shipping on your next order with the code Shayla Shipping, all one word at checkout. Moving forward, talking about your own journey, uh, what do you hope for for your future and for the rest of 2021? Because I know this pandemic has definitely put a damper in all of our plans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, sis, you know that. Um, you know, I, I'm excited to just get back to a real life without having to be scared of doing this or doing that. Just being able to live again truly, fully, freely. Um, I have started to open up this past week about uh, starting my transition physically finally. Mm. Um, I'm going to start taking hormones. I'm going to start doing a lot more to just become the person I want to be because I've been sitting around waiting, going, oh, at least I know who I am. But Mm. what am I waiting for? I I feel like in my head I was like waiting till I was financially stable. But if I died Mm. next week, what's the point of waiting for that? Like just go for it now, you know? So I'm just living my life with more of that focus of just do things don't wait just do them now because if you wait to do something properly you might not get to do it at all if you do it bad then at least you did it (laughs) that's true sometimes we're like the worst critics of just we hold ourselves back and we really limit ourselves from all overthinking and these worries that and these anxieties that probably never even happen they're just like our own internal world working against us um absolutely And so when you do get like anxiety and maybe like, I know you mentioned at the beginning that there was triggers for you in Vancouver. What do you do when maybe you are feeling anxious or overworked or maybe you just need that extra support? Uh, What do you do? And maybe who, who do you look for? Um, Honestly, I just kind of check out because I can talk to a million people about what I'm going through. But unless I can talk to myself, it's not going to change anything. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times I'll just have a day of rest where I do a lot of reflecting and I talk to myself out loud because I find a lot of times when we are just going through our thoughts in our head, it's easy to let our thoughts scare us and consume us. But when we actually 
vocalize it and you're mm. actually hearing it in your ears, it helps you be able to actually grab it because then it's like an actual thing that's out in the universe. It's not just in your head. So I always walk through what I'm going through. I'm like, okay, why mm. am I not wanting to leave the house today? Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to leave the house today because of this. And then it's like, okay, that's fine. Tomorrow I'm going to leave the house because that thing is getting its power today, but it doesn't get that power tomorrow. So mm. having those conversations and just making choices and stuff, I think is like a big part for me of overcoming my like mm-hmm. mental health struggles is just acknowledging them and be like, okay, have your moment, but you don't get to take over. You're going to have your mm-hmm. moment today and tomorrow we're going to put you away. So <laughs> just, you know. I- I love that you speak it out in existence. Like you literally just say it and vocalize it. That's kind of what I do for some of my manifestations and like when I'm working towards my goals. And so I'm curious to know, like, did you manifest being on Canada's Drag Race? Like what was your, do you have a manifestation process? Do you have a visualization process? Um, And what does that look like? Um, I mean, you know, I, I feel like you hear this from a lot of people that say like they just knew that they were going to make it when they were young. (laughs) And for me, (laughs) I always knew that I wanted to be successful and famous. I always knew I saw that for myself. And as egotistic as it might be, I was working towards it. And, uh, you know, you always hear people say your time will come when it's supposed to come. And I would always sit around Mm -hmm. and be like, when is it my time? I want my time. (laughs) And um, so, you know, eventually one day I got it. I got my time. And to be completely honest, now that I've had my time, I'm like, wasn't all that I thought it was going to be. Um, mm. So, you know, but at least I can say that I got this dream to come true. And I mm-hmm. think that's the biggest thing is I went through this period of kind of like, okay, well now my biggest dreams came true. What's next, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of almost like mourning the loss mm. of your motivation in life, if that makes sense. That, and so That makes sense. Yeah, because for me, drag race was like the end all be all. And I was like, okay, now I'm here but also the pandemic's here. So I'm not touring. I'm not getting the drag race experience. Okay. It's not as cute as I thought it was going to be. Am I going to sit here and be sad about it? Or am I just going to fucking move on? And I'm choosing to move on (laughs) by the next stream, by the next goal and work towards it. But um, as far as manifesting, I always just trust the universe. And I know that in doing that, the universe and the creator is going to look out for me and put me where I need to go. And Mm. even when I'm having like a bad time or get involved in something horrible, I'm like, you know what? I'm supposed to be here. It's a learning experience that's going to help me get to the next thing that I actually want to be involved in. (laughs) Yeah, there's always so many lessons in our failures. And I love that you like you got your goal and then you got it. And then you're like, oh, this is it. That's literally what just happened to me this year. Like I had this because I grew up like pretty poor. I had this image in my mind that I needed X amount of dollars to be happy. And then when I got the paycheck, I was like, oh, well, now what do I do? Like, I was literally sitting on my couch, just like staring at the wall. And I'm like, this is not as exciting as I thought it was going to be. Like, I'm not going to go blow all this. Like, yeah, it's just funny how our minds sometimes perceive something way better than when it actually happens. But exactly. um, It's so true. (laughs) Right. What was one of your most, um, favorite experiences that you had um I think throughout your career it doesn't have to be just Canada's Drag Race but like what is one of the most memorable experiences you have had thus far um you know I would say just being able to get to live the fantasy that you get to live when you are a drag artist and you're working in nightlife you know you walk right up to the front of the line and you smile and you say I'm late and they let you in you don't wait in Mm. line you don't pay for drinks 
you live that <laughs> fantasy of a celebrity. And that's why I think a lot of drag queens become famous because we're already experiencing kind of the famous life and we're like, okay, we want more, you know? Um, mm. But I, I would say I'm just grateful that I have been able to do an art form that has got to give me so many experiences. I've got to go to Australia with my drag. I've got to move to LA with my drag. I got to go on TV with my drag and just do something cool with my art, you know, like mm-hmm. growing up whenever I would dress up or do makeup, my family would judge me and be like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, I'm going to make money off this one day. I'm going to be <laughs> successful one day. And then when my grandma saw me on the Marilyn Dennis show after drag race, she phoned me up. She was so shook. She couldn't believe it. I was like, I told you, grandma. i told you the dressing up would get me somewhere (laughs) there you are that's amazing um how how was it perceived with your family and your friends are have they always been supportive of this journey um that you're on or was it um something that was a process in itself um you know when i first started doing drag my makeup was real horrible i was not pretty i had no (laughs) idea what i was doing and my friends were all very patient with me being like, you're fucking ugly, like get it together. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, so there was like that weird rough patch when I was trying to get into it and I wasn't quite there. Uh, but once I started getting good at everything, my friends were living, they were loving the perks of cutting the lines and going to shows and this, that, and the next thing. And that was great. And then my mom, she was a little like iffy about it at first, but then when she realized like how much fun I was having with it and how mm. creative it is as and it isn't just a sexual thing or this thing. It's like so much bigger than just one thing. You know, it is an art mm-hmm. form. Um, she really got on board with it. And now she's like my biggest fan. She comes to all my shows that she can come to. And she has all of my photos on her phone. And she's <laughs> constantly showing people them. And my mom loves it. My mom's always been my number one supporter with everything. And I think a lot of times, because she did grow up in a more like sheltered, reserved, kind of background that is just unlearning those behaviors it's not Mm -hmm. like she was homophobic she just didn't know about queer culture so it's just kind of you know updating the mindset um my grandma and grandpa kind of hated it at first they were not really a big fan of it um but now that i am making money i'm on tv they love (laughs) it they think it's so cute so that's classic grandparents <laughs> that's awesome that we're all no matter how old we are we are always on a journey of unlearning and just accepting yes. and evolving as people um mm. okay i need some tips on how to do my makeup as you can see i am not wearing any so like <laughs> the fact that you had to learn where did you learn <laughs> it's you know the thing about learning makeup is just uh you can watch as many tutorials as you want to learn the technique But actually getting makeup to look good on your face is just an effort of trial and error because everyone's faces are different. You know, contour is going to go a little higher or lower on every face. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of just like feeling out your face like, okay, here's Mm -hmm. the bone. Okay, the shadow goes under the bone. It's like things like that. It's just learning your face, learning Mm -hmm. what looks good on your face. Um, I used to draw my lips out really, really far because I wanted them to be big. But I realized I didn't need to do that. I just needed to draw them like outward like wider instead of far so i've gone through my like clowny lip phase and i think we're finally at like a good place with it but it's just learning what looks good on you specifically really (laughs) i definitely am um i draw i overdraw my lips that's like my favorite thing to do right now just to like put them out there um what is (laughs) what is one of your favorite looks that you have done thus far oh okay um (laughs) You know, I, I'm not going to lie, like, lately, a lot of times my makeup is very, like, the same 
same complexion, same brows, same lips, same eyes, just different colors. Like I've been kind of experimenting with different things lately, but my favorite makeups to do are the ones when I paint my skin like a fun color, like purple or blue mm. or something. Cause it really challenges you to like see where that highlight goes or that contour goes. And like, I like covering my tattoos when I do the colored mm. skin. And I feel like it's a challenge because with this makeup, I can sit down and do this in like 30 minutes and I know how to do it. I know it's going to be great. But when I push myself to do something really creative, like a colored fun skin thing, it's like, okay, we got to cover tattoos. We got to make sure that all of it's even and it's not, you know, so it's, I like the challenging thing. The challenging ones. I don't do them often. <laughs> the challenging ones are fun. Well, speaking of challenges, that was going to be my next question is when like, what was one of your biggest challenges uh, filming Canada's Drag Race? Um, oh, okay. Um, I would say, honestly, just being away from my mom and my cat mm. and not getting to call home. Because when you're there, you get no TV, no radio, no phone, no electronics, nothing. You're in your hotel room when you're not filming. Um, mm. You're away from your support network. And I would say for me, that was the biggest thing is like not being able to call my mom and be like, oh my God, today this happened or I miss you or whatever. And I actually have, where is it? It's right here. Okay. I have this little rainbow poodle TY uh. that my mom bought me. <laughs> And so she got me this when I was going to film Drag Race. So every night I would sleep with it and I would talk to it like it was her. I'd be like, good night, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I missed you. And so this poodle got me through Drag Race. Got I'm not even it. kidding. Um, how, but yeah. <laughs> how long was the actual filming process? Um, so we were gone for about a month to film. Um, yeah, about a month. About a month. Okay, so it happened fairly quickly then. Um, yeah, it's a pretty quick turnaround. A TV week, which is one episode, is filmed in two days. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. And, okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know, um, because I, like, influencing for Indigenous people and for anyone is obviously very new. Do you have a team that helps you out? Like, are you signed with an agency or a manager? And how did you find them? Or do you just do everything? Um, I just do everything myself, which oh, I sweet. think has kind of been like a like a downfall for me because I mm. feel like I kind of really got in my head like when mm -hmm. we found out that our season was coming out during the pandemic we all mm. went through this really rough patch of like okay we're not going to get to do drag con we're not going to get to mm. tour we're not going to get to do shows we're not going to get to meet the fans like and it was really hard accepting that this experience we thought we were going to get wasn't going to mm -hmm. happen you know we weren't going to mm -hmm. make any money back like I spent so much money on Drag Race thinking I was going to make it all back in like a week right. or two. Wasn't happening. Still hasn't happened. So it was just accepting that kind of loss threw me into a really depressive space where mm. I didn't bother looking for a manager. I didn't bother mm. looking for a team. I was like, whatever happens, happens. Like, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. So I've gotten some amazing opportunities just from being myself and having my email in my bio, which yeah. is great. But sometimes I get really overwhelmed and I like, don't look at my email for like a week, which obviously if I had a team or a manager to do that for me, I would miss out on less things because, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I don't know. I feel like doing it myself as much as it kind of seems like I missed out on that mark. I feel like it happened for a reason and mm -hmm. I haven't really figured the reason out yet, but <laughs> one of these days we're, I'm going to look learning. back and be like, sure. <laughs> well, I, I'm hesitant too, because you never really know. Um, for me, I'm like, hey, am I doing this just for, again, coming back to the money thing? Or am I doing this because my heart is in it? And sometimes I feel like, 
yeah, when you're working with an agent, you also need to be um, in alignment and you have to uh, be on the same page, I guess you could say. And speaking of partnerships, when you are content creating, I know your photos on Instagram look mint and crisp. And so do you do how do you make that happen? Um, Okay, so I actually have shot probably 80% of my Instagram content myself um, with my camera, my tripod. Um, That was one really like fierce thing that happened in high school is my mom got a payout. And so she got me a really nice camera because she knew I wanted to go to makeup school. And that is the same camera I have to this day. And it shoots all that content. Um, (laughs) Whenever I'm not shooting it on self timer, I'm like, paying my friends to help me I'm like I'll buy you dinner if you come shoot this look for me at the park like haha um so a lot of it I just do myself and I learn editing and stuff uh when I went to makeup school we had like a digital art unit that Mm -hmm. really set me up good for that um and then I'd say the other 20% of my photos are done by my friend Fernando who is an incredible photographer he shot the photos for Vogue um of my finale look from Jerry Grace the MMIW inspired one Um, And Mm -hmm. he is an amazing photographer. He's the only person I've ever trusted to shoot me other than myself because I'm very specific with my angles and my lighting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why I was curious. Like you need to, again, like I feel like shoots are pretty intimate and I use my brother. My brother definitely (laughs) has helped me shoot some content. Um, I have a few questions from actually my followers. Uh, This one, Beth, she's asking, which indigenous drag queen should we be? be supporting oh yes okay this is amazing um my drag aunt jaylene time who is uh here in vancouver um she is an incredible resource um for indigeneity and just constantly speaking on important topics and just being Mm. herself um she is a trans woman who has inspired me from day one she is the person that taught me what being two spirit was and helped me Mm. realize that that was that thing inside myself i was missing um Mm. i met her through blanche mcdonald when i started going to makeup school and she's been a huge part of my life ever since um yeah jaylene time incredible love her um i i feel like i'm probably gonna mispronounce this but um feather Talia or Feather Talia, she's amazing as well. Um, I love her because she's a bigger girl who mm. is just doing the damn thing. Um, Shelazon is another uh, amazing Indigenous artist from, I believe, Saskatchewan. Um, and she she's really big on TikTok. She's like, mm. some of the stuff I see her doing, I'm just like, girl, how do you have that energy? And she's also going to school <laughs> full time. So um, yeah, there's a lot of amazing drag artists out there uh, who are indigenous, who are just killing it right now and really just claiming some super important space. Um, on uh, Drag Race, the Spain one that just came out, Inti uh, is an indigenous mm-hmm. performer. She's on there uh, repping for indigenous people. Jojo Zaho was just on the Drag Race Down Under cast. She's indigenous. So we're seeing Sick. a lot more indigenous people yes. get their spotlights on Drag Race, which is just making me super, super happy. That's amazing. I I, de- I will definitely post their links in the description of this podcast. Um, another question from Taryn. Was the casting and producer team of Canada's Drag Race aware of Two Spirit or did you have to teach some people? Um, they Yeah, actually, they were all really educated on the topic oh, wow. and on set, what I loved is all of the PAs, um, we called them Queen's Care. So whenever we needed anything, we would just be like, Queen's Care! And they'd come running <laughs> to help us. Love them, love them. Um, but they all knew my pronouns. They all knew my background. Like, they made sure going into it that everyone on the team and the staff knew 
who we were and what our backgrounds were, mm. um, which I really like the sensitivity that went into that from like a production standpoint. Um, I know this year for season two, it's a completely different team. So it's probably going to be garbage. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to probably be different, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> well, I think, um, I think that's amazing that they knew what it meant going in. Cause I feel like I spend a lot of time when you are cast, not only are you going in as you and yourself, but you are like representing and educating people on indigenous history and these terms. And it's just like a whole nother layer of emotional labor. So that's awesome that yeah. you don't have to do a lot of that. How would you define two spirit in your own words? Um, to me, I would say it's, it's so much more than just, um, necessarily a gender marker or gender expression it's a spirituality thing you know it's um something so deep within you that it's it's not just um embracing your masculine and feminine feminine it's about embracing your emotions embracing your spirituality mm. being able to vocalize those things to the world we live in and really communicate yourself to both sides of those spectrums and not mm -hmm. just be locked in one mindset to really be able to open your mind and be connected to all avenues uh, of our mm. communities. Um, to me, I think that is the best description I could give of Two-Spirit um, right now. I feel like it's yeah. always kind of changing as we learn, but for me, that's, that's what I would say today. <laughs> it's like decolonizing our perception of gender and the binaries itself. Like exactly. Two -spirit, yeah, that should never how... even used to exist. Right? <laughs> like, I know. Get it out of here. I know. <laughs> totally. Um, how can people support your work moving forward? And what are you looking forward to for the rest of 2021? Oh, I love that. Um, you know, if you want to support me, you can follow me on Instagram, Alona Verley, um, engage with my content, comment, like whatever. I, I love getting to connect with people and comment. I have my messages off a lot of the times just because I'm like, really bad with my mental health dealing with hate so like mm -hmm. that way I just don't you know hate it's out of here but I always read my comments I always connect with people in my comment section and that's the best way to support me I would say is just you know let let me know you like what I'm doing because it'll help me <laughs> keep going <laughs> I love I'm looking you. forward to for the rest of 2021 I would say just having a really cute summer as restrictions are easing getting able to mm -hmm. uh just get back to some normality <laughs> yeah same I'm waiting to be able to dance in community and be together again and the question I always end on is what is your sign I'm curious your horoscope sign okay um <laughs> I am an Aries um which uh... is super telling uh of me as a person <laughs> I actually have a little Aries symbol tattoo on my forehead but the makeup kind of covers it um yeah i i'm an aries in every every meaning of the word for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah aries i can feel that the fire element <laughs> yeah very that what, what's your sign i'm i'm the last sign so pisces water okay water okay yes, yeah. yes, yes my best friend is a pisces smart oh, intelligent witty we yeah, love it intuitive <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and your time. And I look forward to following you on the gram. Looking forward to seeing the fire continuously come out. <laughs> Heck yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I would love your feedback. Follow me on Instagram at Shayla0h at matriarch.movement. And don't forget to subscribe on the pod platform of your choice and review and rate where possible. I'll be back in a week. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for tuning in.